It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, Avalanche fans, to the Lockdown Avalanche Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli from MileHighSticking.com, here with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And today we will get to part two of our club we have dubbed for the time being the Losers Club. Uh, join the hosts of Lockdown Flyers, as well as beat writers for the Vancouver Canucks and the Boston Bruins. And the one thing we all have in common is we lost in the second round of the playoffs. So we discuss. Part two was yesterday. If you want to tune into that, uh, part two is going to be coming up here in a couple minutes. Uh, but some housekeeping to do first. Follow the show on social media, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche on Twitter. Locked on Avalanche on Instagram and send anything that's on your mind, question, comments, concerns, opinions to locked on avalanche at gmail.com. So if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. If you are a listening for the if you're listening for the first time, uh, welcome. And today we will also get to our grade for the day. We are going through the Avalanche roster in alphabetical order and pretty much giving a report card to each player. Today we'll get to Pierre-Edouard Belmar. That will be after the discussion of the uh, the Losers Club. And uh, oddly enough, the the first player we did in Mark Barbario, there's some news on him, and he is no longer a part of the Avalanche. And I mean, it 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 is what it is. He's he never really materialized into the player that they wanted him to be nor did I think anybody really thought he would. And the one thing that you're hearing so much from, if you follow a lot of reporters that follow the avalanche is he's just a great guy. You know, he, he, they're going to miss, uh, his personality, uh, basically like the compassion that this, this player had. And he just did. He just seemed like he was, and then it could turn it on, uh, on the ice. And and kind of uh, not that he was a angry player or anything like that, but you you can't have that mentality going into a hockey game. But off the ice, he was just a warm, welcome person. So I think uh, you miss that in the locker room. But I mean, he he just wasn't going to find a spot on this team with all of the young talent, um, especially on the defensive end that they have coming up. So. I think he saw the writing on the wall. He was going in to be a free agent. Maybe could have searched around, tried to find something new, but I think he might have thought, I can be more productive uh, in another country. So he went back to Switzerland, I believe. I, I, I thought I, no, I think it was Switzerland. And is going to play. He signed a three year contract with the team out there. So all the best to Mark Barbario. Thank him and thank you for your. Uh, time with the Avalanche, and good luck. I guess is all we have to say about that. We'll get to Pierre Edward Belmar after the discussion. Like I said, the next grade, uh, which will be on 
Monday's show. So I'll put that poll up. I'll run that poll for the duration of the weekend. And that poll will be to give the uh, season grade to uh, Andre Burkowski. So that's two players in a row that, you know, had their first season with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, so you probably, I'll, I'll put that up uh, later on today and run that for the weekend. So that, that should be an interesting vote as well. So let's get to, well, before we get to the uh, second part of our discussion here from our sponsors, of course, gamer goo. And as I've been saying, I'm sure a lot of avalanche fans are catching up on some video games that they have put to the wayside to watch avalanche hockey. Now that that is over, uh, Definitely check out GamerGoo and GamerGoo.com. GamerGoo is a hand lotion and, and an antiperspirant for your hands while you're playing video games. When you get in those heated battles and your hands start getting sweaty, slap on some GamerGoo and the sweat's gone. So it's designed for optimal performance and it was designed by gamers. Uh, specially formulated GamerGoo keeps hands dry, cool, and sweat-free even during the most heated of gaming encounters and you have six scents to choose from orange vanilla sugar teakwood and cherry blossom and they also have a sports goo in the orange scent uh, for any of you basketball baseball hockey whatever you're playing throw on some sports goo uh, go to gamergoo.com enter the promo code loa for lockdown avalanche and ten dollars comes off of your order also brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Built Bar has been a sponsor for a little while now, and I've been talking about uh, how great Built Bar is as a energy bar, how healthy it is for you. But Built Bar also, and I haven't brought this up in an ad read yet, they also sell the flavor, the powder for to flavor your water. Uh, and the flavors they have for that are some pretty cool ones. They have a root beer float. One called Smooth Operator, a Tropical Twist, one called Cool Breeze, and another one called Ruby Red. So you can also get those in addition to the nutrition and energy bars that Built Bar has and that I absolutely love. So you can definitely go on there and get all of your health needs, energy bars, water enhancers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but those are fantastic as well. So... And if you go to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKEDON, $10 comes off of your order anytime you order. No longer just the first time around. It is whenever you order at BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON, $10 off your order. All right, let's get to part two of our discussion with the LOCKEDON Flyers hosts and writers for the Vancouver Canucks and Boston Bruins. Here we go. So looking forward, is there a like a big question that your team faces for next season or just a big unknown that you're not sure about going into this offseason? Uh, Jackson? Uh, wow. Um, I have to pick one. <laughs> There's like you five. can you can pick more than one. So I guess what I'll say, what I will say is the big question is how are they going to manage the cap, and that allows me to touch on basically every other big question that they have going into the off season. Um, I was looking at the cap friendly page the other night. 
the Canucks have somewhere in the neighborhood of $17 million to fill somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 roster spots. And they're going to be, uh, and Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson are going to be due for huge raises the following season. So right now, when you look at the pieces that they have, the contracts that they have, the people that they need to resign and the, uh, you know, obviously the, uh, mission from ownership is to get better, not to get worse. Uh, it can be pretty hard to see how the pieces fit together. Obviously, Jacob Markstrom is the first domino that has to fall. What they're going to do in net is basically going to be the thing that determines everything else that they do. But there's also questions of their right side defense. Chris Tanev and Troy Setcher are both on expiring contracts. Uh, Tyler Toffoli is somebody that they're going to be interested in re-signing. And this is to say nothing of the fact that they also want to try to get better. And their roster, as currently constructed, is basically one line and Bo Horvat up front and Quinn Hughes and a bunch of guys on defense. So I guess the the real question for me is, are they the you know, Oh nine, uh, Blackhawks or even Oh nine Canucks, a team that didn't have very good underlying numbers, but figured out how to, uh, improve and become a powerhouse team within a year's time. Or are they the 2015 flames or 2014 avalanche where it looks like they're ready to turn a corner and become a powerhouse, but those really terrible underlying numbers come back and bite them in the ass. Hope it's okay to swear on this show. Um, <laughs> I will let that one slide. <laughs> there's a lot of questions. It's nothing but questions, but it all starts with what are they going to do about all this salary? What are they going to, how are they going to move the dead salary out? How are they going to keep the guys they need to keep? How are they going to find the space to bring in a guy to improve? Um, it all starts with the salary cap and I don't have an answer for it. That's for sure. Danielle, that's probably a good question for the Flyers as well. But is there anything else on your list? Yeah, I mean, mine would probably stem from the salary cap as well. Uh, for me, it's just what are they going to do uh, for at center? Because, you know, do you go with Nolan Patrick? Is he even better enough to play next season? Do you want to give this spot to Morgan Frost? Or are you just going to go out and get someone that you think could fill that space? Um, you tried Scott Lawton there. How does he look? Do you, is he even something, someone that you want to, uh, someone you want to stay with the team? I just think they have a lot of questions, um, especially at that, that three C spot for me. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. Marissa, how about the Bruins? Yeah, the big one that I feel like has been the big question for years now is what's going to happen with Tory Krug. They don't have a ton of cap space. It's going to be a flat cap now, and he's someone they really need to retain just because they don't have a ton of depth there. I mean, they have, like, John Moore for three more years, but he's done nothing good. Um, so that's going to be kind of the big one when free agency starts. And then because I'm sorry, is is that future Philadelphia Flyer Tory Krug you're referring to? <laughs> I thought it was future Detroit Red Wing. Oh, probably. Oh, no. <laughs> Everyone keeps tweeting at me every time I mention Tory Krug. Like, okay, I get it. He's from there. Um, 
And then, like, not because we've covered this topic enough yet at all, but, like, Tuka Rask, what's going to happen with him? Um, <laughs> like, he's under contract for another year, but everyone would in Boston would have you think he's done as a Bruin or whatever. So, uh, and he hasn't, like, talked to the media yet, so, like, no one has any idea what's going to happen with him. And he's expressed, like, early retirement potentially before. So, like, who knows what's going to happen there? And that would be a big one, seeing, like, Yaroslav Halak is fine, but certainly not a starting goalie for them. And their goalie of the future, Jeremy Swayman's at least like two years away. So those are probably the two big ones. And there's a few more, but like we do not have time to unpack all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, how about the abs? Uh, I think the two big things. One is the goalie situation. Um, Are they sold on Philip Grubauer, Um, you know, acquiring him in a trade? He he's done well, but the the injuries are a serious concern. So um, I think the team likes him, but they are they kind of losing confidence in that he can put together a full season without being injured. Um, I think is kind of up in the air right now. So I think I mean we'll know what the answer to that is if they look into free agency. Joe Sakic really does not make a big dive into the free agency market. So. Um, I don't really see them kind of pulling in a big name, even though the fan base wants it to happen. He doesn't do it. Um, And part of the reason why he might do it is he's positioned this team to be competitive for a pretty long time. And how quickly are they going? Do they want to kind of bring up this youth movement that they have? I mean, they're a young team to begin with, but they have guys just waiting uh, to kind of possibly take the spots of guys like Zadorov. I don't think he's going to be there next year uh, because they want to get guys like Bowen Byram up into the big leagues. Um, they they had a lot of injuries this season, so they got to see kind of bits and pieces of these young guys like Martin Kaut, who played very well once he finally got up. He, people have been waiting for him to really like emerge, and he finally did this year. And People were kind of ticked off that he was not on – uh, the roster in that Dallas series because they had so many injuries. Um, so I don't, I don't think they're going to really dive into the the market. If they do, I, I don't know what Vancouver's plan is with Markstrom. If they let him go, uh, I, I would welcome him with open arms at this point on the avalanche. So also Can I interest they- you in a Thatcher Demko instead <laughs> <laughs> hearing about, it seems like, it seems like uh, you guys have, Way too many young, good defensemen. Uh, You can't possibly fit them all on the roster. Uh, You know, all it would take is one of those uh, nice young defensemen and for you to take on Louis Erickson's contract. (laughs) (laughs) You can keep that one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Keep trying, though. (laughs) So from a team or systems perspective... Is there anything in particular that your team needs to focus on or change to get past the second round next year? How about the Bruins? That's a tough one because, like, they have the personnel to go far. Um, and it's, like, a matter of the matchups and, like, what's going to happen. So, again, like, it's the same few questions. Like, is Tori Krug there? And if not, do they bring in another defenseman? Does more play full time? Does Clifton make that leap? Do they go as Jeremy Lau's on? Like, what does that defense look like? They definitely need to figure something out there. Because even if they do retain Krug, like, I'm not sure Chara can keep playing that many minutes, especially against, like, fast teams like Tampa. Um, 
So that's a big one. And then just like depth in their uh, middle six, like David Krejci hasn't had a consistent right winger and everyone thinks Andre Kashi is the answer, but he still hasn't scored a goal as a Bruin yet. So. Like, oh, really? Yeah. And he's looked good too. So like, it's not even like totally all his fault. Uh, everyone thinks his future is bright, but like just hasn't done it yet. And then like the third line, Charlie Coyle looks great, but is Andrews Bjork going to be there? Is Jack Stanika going to come up? Are they going to, are they comfortable having him on the wing full time? They they seem to be okay with it in the playoffs. Like what happened to his Nick Ritchie? Brett Ritchie's still in the system. So a lot of those like middling players there um, are kind of the question mark. So it, it feels one of those things like the draft and free agency all happening around the same time. We're going to have a lot of answers of what this Bruins roster looks like and if it's good or bad, like in a relatively quick period of time. Yeah, I think that part of this offseason is actually going to be very helpful for a lot of teams. Somebody's getting into a car accident over there. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I live in New York. Um, how, how about the abs, Chris? Uh, so what, what do they need to, to focus on to get past the second round, basically? Yeah, like from a systems oh, or structure perspective. Um, I, I I think the system they have is is fine. I think they just need to, you know, produce better. Um, and I know that is maybe like a cop out answer, but they they have the talent. Um, I think there just needs to be times where they just need to impose their will and just say, you know, we need to be the aggressor and we're we're a the a better team than we're performing. It's just performance based. I think they have. The talent, they have the roster. They were, um, you know, known as that one-line team not that long ago, uh, one year ago. That's kind of what they were. And Joe Saka went out, made a couple moves, and they're no longer thought of that way anymore. But are they now thought of the team <clears throat> that can't win a game seven? They've they've lost, uh, I think it dates back to 2002, five straight game sevens. Um, and Nathan McKinnon has lost three of them. So are people starting to view them as the team that can't get it done? I don't think it's there yet, but, um, if this keeps happening, then that, that's a label that you don't want. And with, you know, McKinnon being the super superstar player that he is, he doesn't want that label either. So, um, I think they will use this as a massive learning experience, um, and that you cannot let your guard down at any point in the playoffs. And I, I think they'll come back strong. I do. I think it's going to be a, a, a – they won't soon forget this at all. Yeah. What do what you the think, Avs need, What yeah. the Avs need is depth, uh, Stanley Cup caliber depth. So maybe someone who's already won a cup somewhere else. Someone like well, maybe – Jay Beagle, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a, an option you guys could look at. I think he could really help you out a lot there. Um, I'm just trying so desperately to sell these to, old. To unload him. This team. Um, oh, that's great. I, I think that with regards to the, um, with regards to systems, like Travis green has really impressed me and he's actually almost convinced me that maybe the, even though the forward depth is really questionable, he's kind of proven to me that he can actually get quite a lot out of his forwards, considering how sort of 
uh, unimpressive they a lot of them can look on paper. Like he he got a lot out of Brandon Sutter this year in a in a season where I thought Brandon Sutter was done as an NHL player. And that is not to say that Brandon Sutter uh, had a fantastic season or was anywhere near worth the nearly four point five million dollars they pay him. But he was good in his role. And um, and so I think the 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 biggest, most pressing issue is and it was really clear against the Knights, their defense can't move the puck outside of Quinn Hughes, obviously, who's been a revelation there. But I think obviously they don't have the horses, but where that's really clear is on defense. And so they have a lot of roster spots opening up and I would really like to see them maybe move away from someone like Chris Tanev, who has been an absolute warrior for the Canucks. He's a guy I really like a lot, but he's old. He's busted up. He's not really a great puck mover. And the Canucks just really need to be able to break the puck out better. And you watch a team like Vegas or, or the Avs even, and it's like, oh, this is what a team is supposed to look like on the breakout. They don't... Uh, you know, they're good. They're one good defenseman doesn't get off the ice and then they can't get out of their own zone. Like, um, I think that the biggest thing that they have to address is just trying to they're, they're great off the rush. They need uh, guys on the back end that can um, help them generate those rushes more often so that they can continue to kind of play this counterattack style that they've had success with. Um, that's going to probably, at least in the short term, be their only way to really stay competitive. So, um, yeah, the, I guess my shortest answer is, or my uh, simplest answer is just like, you need a couple more puck movers on the defense. It can't just be Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers. Yikes. Um, yeah, that's, that's my answer. (laughs) What about the flyers, Danielle? So with the flyers, like we, like I said, if they figure out that three C, and so if they figure out the three C, I like their chances. I mean, you get another season um, of Myers and Sanheim. Um, you get Provorov. I don't know if I trust Matt Niskanen. So if a Tory Krug wants to come to Philadelphia, that would probably be the best thing for this team. But for the Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> the main thing I, I I really do think for this team, and I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's just the power play. And whether that is getting that defenseman that can help them on the power play, or maybe using someone that they might have already have on the power play that can help you mean transform. Like a Shane Gostisbear, perhaps? Uh, maybe. Can you imagine if we had a Shane Gostisbear on the roster? Wow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I definitely think if the power play is clicking this team would still be in the in in the postseason and same for next season because I like a lot about the Flyers and I think they're only going to get better but they can't survive with a power play like it was the season and in the postseason you know I hear that and I just think what you need and and we're all full Jackson (laughs) you know uh... I Second unit superstar Tyler Myers, I think, would really uh, oh, tie the room together. We already together. have a Myers, so it gets conflicting. <laughs> so we'll take a Hughes if you don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> or, or we're, all, we're all sold out or... of those, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear there's a Luke somewhere that one of us could maybe yeah, pick up. Oh gosh! Please don't tell me the Flyers will be bad enough to get Luke Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, you know, we're not bitter here or anything, but like, <laughs> no. is there a team of the teams that are still left in the playoffs that we hate the most? Is there somebody we can agree on or is it somebody different for all of us? I mean, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I hate the Islanders the most. <laughs> I like I that answer. Say, yeah. I was going to say them, but I can also get behind the lightning too, because they're sneaky dirty and it's not even sneaky. I just feel like everyone ignores it because they're supposed to be so skilled, but it, they're, they, they're a dirty team. They're in the other conference. I don't care. I don't have any lasting animosity. Uh, my my answer here is um, I hate the way the Islanders play. So I kind of don't want to see them. As we all know, whenever a team makes it to the Stanley Cup finals or wins, the entire league just tries to do that for the next year. And I just don't want to see the entire league try to be the New York Islanders next year. So I would really like to nip that one in the bud right now. Uh, but I also have a grudge against the stars um, because like years ago, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben said some like weird homophobic stuff about the Sedians on the radio uh, and I've never forgiven them. So I guess they're my most hated team, but I don't really care about any of the teams that are left. I've, I don't harbor any huge animosity or anything. I would second that on, on the star. I mean, if, if there's really no team that just absolutely sticks out, like if the wild were still in it for you know being an avalanche <laughs> fan uh then i'd go Wait, that there's route. somebody that like actively hates the wild oh if, if you're, if <laughs> you're an wild. avalanche fan it, it, it's that is wild to me uh, it's i mean we've moved on from you know disliking the the uh red wings and yeah the wild are but because be, because of this series against dallas People are starting to turn the tide and, you know, the team that eliminates you, you kind of have to hate them. And when it's, you know, the, the a team that's in your division, uh, it, it, it's it's doubly so. So, um, yeah, I would go with, with Dallas right now because the other teams I don't they're They are what, what they are. I don't I really don't dislike Vancouver, even though they're in their our division. But, um, yeah, it's easy for me. Dallas. I don't really care about any of these teams. But, like, I guess the Islanders, only because when I was at the Herald, all the Islanders fans got really mad at my power rankings and kept emailing my boss to fire me because I would rank them, like, two spots too low. So, like, those people being sad would be fine. (laughs) I think we can get behind that to defend your honor and the honor of smart hockey fans everywhere see i feel that way all the time but i feel that way about my own team's fan base so (laughs) that's kind of a problem for me i I can't like hate the team that i cover but sometimes i want to just out of spite listen i have to deal with bruins fans so i totally understand (laughs) i feel for you so is there any teams that we're just so happy we at least made it further than in these playoffs the minnesota wild (laughs) (laughs) uh calgary obviously yeah that's Uh, a good one i mean obviously there's like the regional thing uh with vancouver although honestly i've always kind of considered the flames sort of best of my enemies because i always liked uh jerome aginla uh, I would mm-hmm. say like the Avs with Joe Sackick was kind of like that too, where there's certain teams where it's like, yeah, they beat up on you a lot, but you, you like the guys on the team. 
And then there's other teams that beat up on you a lot and you just hate them, like, you know, yeah. the Bruins or whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, not so much, not as much these days, but whew, back in the day. Um, but I just, I never want to Matt, Matthew Kachuk to ever be happy in his life ever. <laughs> um, and not just because the Canucks took Ole Ulevi there instead of him. Um, I just, I, I don't like his face. I don't like how dirty he is and how successful he is at it. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I would, uh, if he was on fire, I would not. And I'll you just would... let everyone imagine the rest of that. Sentence. If he was, if he was on fire, what, what type of sandwich would you order? I know. I thought we were going for a flames joke there. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended. Oh no. I don't want to get kicked off the podcast, but like I'm okay with Philly being out only for personal <laughs> reasons only. Other than that, I don't care. Just someone I wanted to be sad is now sad. <laughs> you know, that, that's fair. I think that the Philly-Boston sports rivalry sometimes doesn't get its due. And I think it's a good one. I like yeah. Philly. I like most of their fans. Just one specific person I wanted to know in my heart was upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's valid. That's absolutely valid. No, I've been there. That's great. Uh, this probably won't be a surprise to Rachel, but I am so happy that the Blue Jackets are out, even though it was Tampa that beat them, which sucked. But I don't like the Blue Jackets. There's nothing about that team that is likable. And I was happy to see them go. Like, burn it to the ground. I hate it. I will not Everything stand for this John Tortorella slander. <laughs> greatest coach in podcast. <laughs> everything about that team is unlikable i'm sorry yeah i i, I want to sneak in a mention of the new york rangers in there too since i happen to live in new york and mm. it's brutal when you're surrounded by that stuff and at least with the islanders it's seen as like the you know the sideways team it's not like the main focus of the media mm -hmm. so uh having, having the rangers out made my life at least 50 percent better there were lots of teams in the play-in that were really funny that they lost like uh pittsburgh was hilarious um that was definitely hilarious new york i was really happy to see them out in the first round it was like less fun because a lot of teams that ended up in the first round like at least deserved to be there um it would have been a bummer if new york won <laughs> i i don't want to see tony d'angelo be happy <laughs> no it was nobody does absolutely like, everyone was like so mad if they went with just the playoff teams when the season ended because you gotta be fair to the new york rangers and then they just lost anyways and it was really funny <laughs> <laughs> after so many people hype them up like i remember listening to so many previews and they're like the rangers they're so good and, and it's wild because they what? were never good at any point like ever in the whole season yeah it was like that one game against the caps where mika zabinajad scored like five goals and that was mm -hmm. it that's because the capitals weren't that good <laughs> and that was also good which was my hot take of the year was the Capitals aren't that good. So I was really happy with that. <laughs> so before we go, just want to quickly go around and get some predictions on the rest of the playoffs. So Jackson, you got any winners for these conference finals and Stanley Cup final? I think it's 
going to be, I think if there's any justice, it'll be a Vegas Tampa final. I'm really hoping it'll be a Vegas Tampa final because I think that's going to produce the best hockey and also produce the least uh, terrible outcomes for all the teams that try to emulate the teams that made it to the <laughs> Stanley Cup final next year. And then it's going to be any one series, man. Those teams are just both really good. I don't know if I can even pick one. I guess I'll just say Vegas because I would really, really like it if an expansion team clowned on the rest of the league uh, <laughs> after only existing for three years. So, yeah, I'll say Vegas. But uh, really, like any of these teams could do it now. It's it's a pretty good group of, of, uh, of four teams to be left. What do you think, Chris? I think run a crash course for that matchup for for Tampa and Vegas. Uh, I was thinking it be you know the the first game that Tampa had with Islanders. What was it eight to two? Um, I I don't see this series going very deep, and I don't think uh, Dallas can really hang with Vegas that long. They they got the best of them in game one, but I don't think either one of these series are going to go the full seven. I think. Tampa is way too good, and I think Vegas is much better than Dallas. Um, and then if I have to pick, I mean, Adam Denker, who hosts Locked On Lightning, like that's my like lock. That's my Locked On bromance. So <laughs> I kind of have to go with the Lightning and and win it. But it will be that will be a knockout fight that series. Yeah, Marissa, do you have anything different, or are you with the guys? I mean, it's going to be Vegas and Tampa, but I really want it to be the Islanders and Dallas go to a game seven and one of them wins one nothing in overtime. It's, it will. It's totally. <laughs> That's probably That's what's going to happen. Every, every game will be one to nothing. I know. I want it so bad. <laughs> that would be a good uh, chaos pick there. Yeah, Danielle, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I unfortunately think it's going to be Tampa, Vegas, which I don't like. Um, I would like to see, I would like to say Dallas can, uh, get past Vegas, but I don't think they can, but I would be happy if they did, uh, between the lightning and Vegas, I, I have no idea who would win it. It's a toss up and I probably won't even watch cause just be sad. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the idea of this ex- expansion team clowning on me, <laughs> like winning the cup before the flyers. is just brutal. I mean, if, if Vegas does it. Seattle Kraken's got like two years before they need to win it, or people are going to be start asking questions. Yeah, and it's like JVR. That's a good point. Scores the game-winning goal, so that'll <laughs> <Yeah>. burn. <laughs> yeah, maybe the uh, Seattle fan base will get bitter faster, and yeah. and that's good for everybody, right? <laughs> Well, thank you everyone so much for joining us. This was so much fun and a really good conversation. I'd like to thank Marissa, Chris, and Jackson. And yeah, thanks again for for joining us on Lockdown Flyers. Anytime. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So there you have it. Uh, great discussion. I always love doing those shows with other hosts and, and writers, and uh, that was a fun one to do. So, And like I said before, I, I don't want to be part of that every year. 
not because it's not fun, because I, I would rather be in like a winners and championship uh, a show, which would basically just be me <laughs> if the Avalanche won it, or maybe I get some writers, obviously from the Avalanche and stuff like that. But you know what I mean. Um, all right, so again, thank you for uh, having me on that show. Absolutely uh, a fun time with that. So let's get to our grade quick. Um, and it was Pierre Edouard Edward Belmar and his first year with uh, the Avalanche. And on Twitter, it was pretty, pretty uh, cut and dry. I think uh, it was pr- not, not, you know, not, not, it's not going to be unanimous or anything like that. Uh, but the majority of people kind of were in agreement. Not a single vote for a D grade for him, which was nice to see. Uh, 12% said an A, 62% said a B, and 27% said C. <coughs> Excuse me, and I and I would I would have to agree with the Bs here. Um, they brought him in for that kind of you know I say secondary scoring, but not in the capacity that they were expecting from like a Nazem Kadri or something like that. They brought him in for depth, um, and and that's really what that that's really what they he gave them. Um, played in sixty nine games, nine goals, thirteen assists, twenty two points is his career high and you know still had 13 games to go so i mean an outside shot to get 30 points so i i think um and it was good in the playoffs until he got hurt so he he is that guy that you just feel kind of comfortable with out on the ice that he's not really going to make a a mistake i think they relied on him (coughs) excuse me a, a good amount for uh, power penalty killing, uh, and I think that was a big reason why they brought him in. So I think they are more than happy with the production that they got from Belmar, and they are looking forward to him to even kind of benefit from a team like he's on right now uh, with the way that the Avalanche can score. I think he's going to benefit from that even more next year. He's got a year under his belt in Colorado. He's going to be more comfortable with this team. They have him on contract for one more season at $1.8 million, And then he becomes a unrestricted free agent. So if they have a recreation in, of any way um, in his, his play, it will be interesting to see what they do. Because after that, I mean, he's 35 years old right now. Uh, so after, you know, his contract is up. Do they want to extend him? Like he he is, you know, almost far and away, you know, the oldest player on this team. Um, so which is good. You need you need a guy like that. So do they extend him after next year? Uh, what, what, that obviously remains to be seen. I think I think they might. I think they want somebody on the team that brings some you know veteran presence in terms of age, um, and that could be Belmar. So. We shall see what he does. I have to agree with the grade in here with a B. So uh, tomorrow, the grade will be up for our next player on the roster, who is Andre Burakovsky, which, like I said, uh, is another player, two in a row, for their first year with the Avalanche. Uh, and I'm interested to see where, where his grade goes. So uh, that will be up tomorrow and run all weekend. Come back with the results on that on Monday. 
and yeah, see what else we got for news in the Avalanche world. If you want some news around the entire hockey world, make sure to check out Locked On NHL. And like I've asked in the past, please, if you listen to the show on a site where you can leave feedback and reviews and, and rate the show, please do, because it definitely helps, especially on uh, Apple iTunes. Greatly appreciated. So that's going to be it for today and for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see everybody next week. Here's Jovi. Go, Abs, go! Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.